All righty. Listen, is there any overachievers in the house today? Listen, if you're an overachiever, you can go ahead and get ahead of everybody else and uh, go ahead and turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. If you are taking notes today, uh, the title of today's message is simply In Need. In Need. I'm trying something a little different today. I'm actually trying to give myself a timer over here. Y'all pray for me because we're about to see if, if miracles really happen or not. Here we go. By the way, it's not going right now. I'm giving myself a little bit more time. I'm cheating. If you're, if you're there at Acts chapter 3, say, oh, yeah. Good deal. Acts chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. We'll get there in about 15 minutes, all right? So y'all just hang tight. About 15 minutes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, we're so thankful, uh, God, for your word. Lord, as we say all the time, God, we are people who believe that all scripture is God-breathed, that every bit of it, God, originated and was birthed from your heart to us. And so, Father, Genesis to Revelation, God, we believe it, God. And we don't just uh, wish and hope that it's true. Lord, we have faith because we know it is true. And so, Lord, thank you today, God, as we open up our hearts. And even as the psalmist said, as we open up our mouths wide, Father, thank you that you will fill it. And so, Lord, Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. God, thank you for your anointing, not only preach, but God, also uh, to receive today. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. We give you complete permission uh, to do as only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The timer's starting. Here we go. Listen, last week I shared a message with you out of 1 Kings chapter 22. Wave your hand if you were here last week. 1 Kings chapter 22. If you have a chance, go listen to the podcast if you weren't here. But listen, in that message we talked about six things that we could learn from the unnamed soldier that killed the evil king, uh, King Ahab. Now, if you remember in that story, this just kind of says up we're going today, but remember that the prophet Micaiah told Ahab, he said, look, buddy, uh, basically because your heart is so far from God, you're going to die in this next battle. And of course, Ahab uh, pretty much thought that he could out-trick God, and so he decided to disguise himself and to still go into war thinking it would protect him. Uh, but we know in the scriptures it says that this uh, unnamed soldier, that he randomly shot an arrow, and the arrow went through the air, and it found the one spot that Ahab was exposed. That arrow hit that one spot, and Ahab, uh, obviously, he died. He was killed. Now, the six things that we learned from this soldier were this. The number one thing we talked about is that we got to show up for a battle, meaning this, that we got to be committed to the church God's plan is in. Amen? The second thing is that we got to bring our weapon. In other words, we got to bring our praise, because the Bible says our praise is a weapon. Now, uh, I want you to know today, uh, when I talk about that, I'm not talking about so much of what your personality is as much as I'm talking about your expectation when you come into the house of God. In other words, that when you worship, do you expect the presence and the power of God to come? Amen. The third thing that we learn from that guy is that we need to shoot in the right direction, that we need to shoot in the right direction. And basically all that meant was this, is that we need to remember what's important. It's people. Can somebody say people? That's what's important. The fifth thing that we talked about is that we need to pass on the credit, meaning that we don't need to worry about who gets the glory because at the end of the day, God gets all of it. The sixth thing that we talked about is that we need to keep shooting. And that means this, in spite of what we see and what we feel, we can't give up. Amen. Now, listen, I, I intentionally skipped number four, because when you start talking about number four in the church, things get awkward. Because number four has a single word in it that makes people start feeling really, really, really uncomfortable. And number four was this. It was that we need to be willing to change directions, that we need to be willing to change directions. Can somebody say change today? Listen, in my experience, any time a pastor begins to talk about change, either in the church or in people's lives, people in the crowd, they start looking like this. Let me show you the first thing. That's the way they look. If they don't look like this, watch this. If they don't look like this, let me show you how else they look. Look at the next one. Oh, man. And then, then, of course, my favorite here is this last one. Oh, yeah. Change, why, Pastor, change? Oh, my God, I'm a baby and I'm crying. Anyways, so listen, gang, it's so true. One mention of the word change and people start squirming in their seats. Their blood pressure starts to rise. And literally, I watched last week as people's faces begin to change colors. It was amazing. Listen, that they begin to rediscover an array of emotions that they forgot they even had. Their faces started contorting. 
like those guys right there. Listen, and, and we all know that as people sit in church and they start hearing about change, we all know they're not practicing Philippians 4.8. What's Philippians 4.8 says? It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. What's that, Paul? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Folks, how many of you guys know that when the word change is mentioned, that literally that thoughts of true things, honorable things, right things, pure things, lovely things, admirable things, excellent things, worthy of praise, every bit of that went out the weapon, uh, went out the window as soon as number four began knocking on their front door. Yes? How y'all in? Y'all know it's true. Listen, has anybody ever seen the movie Hook? Come on, what a classic, right? Rufio. Anyways, all right. So when you start talking about change, it's almost like my thought goes back to that movie. Peter can't find his happy thought. The congregation cannot find their happy thought. Words like glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We're with you, pasta. It's not pastor, it's pasta. You got to preach it, preach it, right? Listen, those aren't the words that are flooding people's minds at that moment when change is being talked about. You know, it's kind of like this. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. That's amazing. Anyways, they have words flooding their minds all right. In fact, they have a prophetic word that they would like to share with the pastor right after service. Right. But it, but it isn't it isn't a Philippians 4, 8 kind of word, is it now? It isn't pure. It isn't noble. They got something they want to say. And, and listen, just by a show of hands, how many of y'all when I'm going to myself in trouble, when somebody starts talking about change, you know, you think cuss words in your head. Come on. Don't lie to yourself. Listen, don't lie to yourself. I told you I want to have fun today. Watch this. But the funny part is this. is church folk think they're so slick. Church folks think they're smooth. They do. I mean, it's like, like you know, I've been in this a while. I, I know the game. And, and, and listen, because they honestly think that the pastor is visually challenged. And, and they think that in these, you know, in these moments where we're talking about change, that they honestly think that this is the way that us pastors are seeing them. Look at this. My God, Pastor, I'm excited about what you're talking about. Look at this next one. Go ahead and get your praise break. Go ahead. You know that's true, right? Oh, Pastor, we're with you. Anyways, watch this. I'm being goofy this morning. But listen, how do we know all of this is true? It's because I've done it too. I, I, I think if you haven't had those things happen to you, then you're not human. You need to check your pulse, see if you're alive. Right? Are you all with me? Yes? No? All right. It is so, it's so true. I can't tell you how many times I could probably give you a countless amount of stories that when Pastor Al, my old pastor, would walk in the room in a staff meeting and he, and he was notorious to say, guys, I always tell you that change is going to happen, so you always need to be ready for it. And as soon as he mentioned that word change, it was so funny to watch everybody just get awkward in the room. And, and all those motions and all those things that when he began to talk, we all felt like that. It's normal, right? Listen, I don't understand why, but change is typically received in a negative way, unless it was really your idea in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's our idea. We want to know what's wrong with these stiff-necked people, right? We, we want to think, what's wrong with them? But, but listen, when it's not our idea, it's like it's almost human nature to immediately push back when we hear the word change. And it could be in our jobs. It could be in our business. It could be in our schools. Maybe it's in our families or maybe it's in our own church. But for some reason, we dig our heels in and we prepare for a fight. Listen, and here's what's funny. We do it even before we hear the whole plan out. So true, right? Listen, for some reason, it's a whole lot easier to say we can't do that and it can't happen than to say that we can and it can. So true, isn't it? It's getting quiet up in here this morning. Listen, but I think God wants us to remember this, and I'm saying all that to get to this is that all change initiated by God is positive. That all change initiated by God himself is positive. Another way we can say that is this, is that all change initiated by God is possible. That it's possible. Now, let's just get straight. All right, let's, let's just shoot straight. Part of the hang-up is this. I'm going to be kind of vulnerable with you here. If you've been around me long enough, you know I'm a pretty straight shooter, right? And, and I'm not afraid to be honest. But part of the problem in churches in general, and I'm not talking about here, I'm just talking about just in general, is when we find that we go all change basically from God is positive. Most people stop in the church and they don't look at God. They're too busy looking at the pastor. Okay? And because they don't trust the pastor, they don't trust the change. 
And so, you know, it was kind of funny when I came here, you know, new kid on the block, right? And uh, when, when I came here months ago, I had a few meetings, and I just felt really uh, compelled by the Lord to make this one statement. I want to tell you this today. Let me kind of preface it with this. No pastor's perfect. No church is perfect. We're all in a process. Every pastor's going to make mistakes. I don't care who they are. I, you know, I've been here 11 months, and I've made a handful of them uh, that I hope I never do again. It's just part of it, right? It's part of learning. It's part of growing. But there's this side of where I felt compelled to tell people is this, is that I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust the God that sent me. Amen? Because there's this thing that if we can get our eyes off people and start focusing on God, then guess what? Something good's going to happen. Amen. Because honestly, all I'm trying to do is be in front of you guys leading the way. uh, And I'm not looking at myself. I'm looking at him. Right. I'm trying my best to have my heart to his chest and go, Father, what do you want to do? Amen. Are you all with me today? All right. So let me ask you a question here. If we talk about all change initiated by God is positive. How many of you guys today can remember the day that you decided to surrender your life to Jesus? The day that you decided to follow him. Anybody remember that day? Come on, wave your hand down. It's a really great day. If you don't know it, we can give you a day today, all right? I I mean that, okay? So, listen, for you guys that raised your hand, did you change after you made that decision? I'm going to be a really good pastor in this moment. If you did not change after you asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you did not get saved. Okay? Because when the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, everything should change. There's a reason the Bible says that 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, yes, basically, but I'm missing the first part. My mind's going blank. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I got that part. Anyways, for all those who are in Christ Jesus, it says that the, that the old is gone and the new has come, that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Right? That's the truth. All right, so watch this. When you surrendered and you decided to follow him and you said, you know what, we're asking, you know, you know, did anything change after you asked Jesus in your heart? The answer should have been yes. But the question is this, is was that change positive or was it negative? It was positive. L- listen, can you remember how much you changed in those first few years after you became a Christian? Now, was that change positive or was it negative? It was positive. Now, watch this. Why? Was it because all change initiated by God is positive? Yes. But it was also, please don't miss this, it was also because back then, when we asked Jesus in our heart, our first few years of Christianity, we saw our need for change. In fact, we were desperate for it. See, there's something about, and I've been here long enough to hear certain people's stories, and then to hear how screwed up we were before we asked Jesus in our heart, and we knew that we were a hot mess. Right? And that we needed Jesus. He came and saved us and rescued us. And, and literally that he changed us. And guess what? Uh, we were really in a spot where we looked at what we created by our own efforts. And we go, God, I was desperate for change. Yes? Now, listen, kind of a side note here. I heard this the other day, and I just wanted to share it with you, meaning I was praying and I heard this. But uh, I just said it this way. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be stuck in between Egypt and the promised land. That there's a place in between the bondage of sin and living in the freedom that Christ provided for us, and it's called religion. Are you hearing me? That there's this spot of bondage and sin that we get out of when we get saved, and we're on our way to walk in this promised land of what God's promised us. Uh, There's a large majority of the church, and I'm talking about this church, of the church, that's stuck in between that, and it's called religion. And we wonder why there's death in so many churches, and, why, and we also wonder why, uh, you, you know, everybody in the church is over 75 and they're, and they're drawing their last breath because there's no life in it. And young people go, you know, I don't want that. Listen, God is a God of generations. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're young, if you're, uh, if you're a teenager, if you're a college student, if you're, if you're uh, you know, a, a young adult or if you're a career or if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, all the way up, you should be interested in him. And the, because he's alive, there's something relevant there. Amen? Come on, don't get quiet on me this morning. All right, so back at that thing about when we first began. I don't know about you, but there's been seasons of my life where I have to admit that my spiritual metabolism wasn't what it used to be. That my spiritual metabolism wasn't what it used to be. Let me put it this way. Has anybody in this room tried to lose 10 pounds lately? I like 10 pounds. How about 30? <laughs> Look, my wife said ain't in worship. I thought that was so cute. They don't say that northwest. 
what's this? Well, we, we're from Alabama. We say, hey, listen, it ain't as easy as it used to be. Right. I, I remember the days when I was when I was a young wee lad. Right. That uh, literally all I had to do was think about losing weight and that glorious spare tire that resided around my waist would disappear. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Well, y'all don't hear me. All right, anyways, but but listen, uh, but now I've become comfortable in my unhealthy eating habits. Mom preaching somebody now. Listen. I, I like my sweet tea and my chocolate. In fact, they're some of my best friends. I'm going to tell you, listen, I enjoy eating a bowl of ice cream and other sophisticated snacks at midnight. I mean, that's like the zone right there is to eat that. Now, listen, the, the same can be true when it comes to spiritual change. When we were young in our faith, our spiritual metabolism was off the charts. In fact, we embraced change. It was easy and it was exciting. How many of you guys remember when you were pumped that Jesus changed you? I got victory. You were glad, right? Listen, but now we have cultivated some deeply rooted habits, some lifestyle patterns and traditions like prayerlessness. <laughs> right? You know, visit the Word occasionally. Only time we ever sing a song of worship to God is when we come to church. Right? Are you all hearing me? Listen, here's the truth. We are comfortable in who we are and how we do things. We don't see our need for change as much as we used to. And all of this has not only caused our spiritual metabolism to slow way down, but it's also caused us to view change as a negative thing. Folks, once again, that's how you become a Pharisee. Right? That's how you become a Pharisee. Are you all okay with me today? All right. Because I'm real okay with me. All right, here we go. (laughs) So listen, though, let me just be a good pastor and tell you like it is. Is if you can look back at the last year of your life, maybe the last two years of your life, three years of your life, four years, and you can't recognize change, there's a problem. Your your spiritual metabolism is in park. It's in park. It's not. Listen, if Jesus is alive, and how many of you guys know, all you have to do is read the Bible. He don't stop. He's unstoppable God. He's always moving, and it's our job to keep up with Him where He's going. It's called fellowship and relationship. And as we move with Him, guess what? He's not going to change. He's the immutable, unchanging one. If we're going to walk with Him, we've got to be the ones changing. And so, listen, it is not God's will for us to try to live off yesterday's manna. If in your mind, if all you can do is celebrate a year ago, there's a problem. Are you with me? What happened? Manna fell? Every day it was gone. It came the next day. We got to get the manna for today. Don't live off yesterdays. Amen. And, and listen, I don't know about you, but there's some folks in here that that uh, you, you know you feel called in some way to do something great for God. You can never live off yesterday's anointing. Every day, Jesus, fresh oil. <laughs> and he fre- God, today, what are you saying? Amen. So all change, once again, initiated by God is a positive thing. So have you guys, you overachievers, are y'all, are y'all still at Acts chapter 3? I got there in 12 minutes and 52 seconds. Here we go. <laughs> awesome. All right, so with all of that in mind, talking about change, we're going to have some fun, and I may be a little weird here, I don't know, but, but let's look at Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 10, and I'm going to read out the New King James Version. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That was three o'clock in the afternoon. And it says, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried. Now, now let me help you. If you're a teenager, that lame doesn't mean that they're a geek. It means that they were crippled. All right, here we go. So a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. And what did he do? He, he literally every day asked. Alms, and you know, I keep hearing Robin Hood in my head. Alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. Hey, whatever. Why can I say my parents didn't let me out often? All right, here we go. So listen, that he asked for money. He asked for coins. What was he asking for? A modern day terminology. He was asking for change. Watch this. It says. Which is called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple asking for alms for the poor, change. 
It says in verse 4, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Buddy, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up or rise up and be changed. Are you hearing me today? And then it says in verse 7, it says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately he was changed. His feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. In other words, he was doing what he could never do before. Are you with me this morning? In verse 9, we're almost done. It says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging for alms or change. At the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right. So when I personally read the Bible, I read the Bible, but I, everybody look here, but I read it from the viewpoint of this, is I don't read it and go, okay, God, that was a cool story that you did 2,000 years ago. No, no. I read the Bible and go, God, in, in that man, there's a reason you were writing about him. Is there anything that I can glean from his life? What about that man's life, that crippled man? What is something about his life that I can personally learn about me, that I can apply it to me? So let me share you a few things with you that I think we can apply with us today. All right. So the first thing is this It's found in verse two. Please open your heart up to this. It says this says that the man was lame from his mother's womb, meaning that he was born crippled. We all got that. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what caused him to be born that way, nor does it tell us how long he had been begging for alms or change at the gate called beautiful. But we can assume because the Bible says that he was a man that he had been doing it for quite a long time. Is that true? So, listen, I also think it would be safe to say this. And once again, I'm a visual person, so I, th- this is the way I read the Bible. But I think it's safe to say that there was a time period in his childhood that as he laid literally on the side begging for change, begging for coins, alms for the poor, right, that he watched other kids all around him running, laughing, and playing. Maybe they were playing tag. Maybe they were playing hopscotch or hiding and seek. Maybe they were racing to see who the fastest kid in the neighborhood was. Maybe they were dancing to the music that was playing on the radio. Or maybe they were just playing some kind of sport. But nonetheless, I can picture him as a child with this little cup literally in hand. And I can watch him just almost staring into nothingness, daydreaming. And here's what he's thinking of how different his life would be if he could just simply walk. Daydreaming, wondering, man, if this one thing could change, everything would change. Oh, hear me today. Listen, as he's sitting there daydreaming, I can almost picture as he's sitting there just kind of frozen, staring into nothing, someone drops a coin in his cup and he snaps back to reality, reminding him of, oh, this is just my lot in life. Now listen, year after year, slowly but surely, hope of change, the vision of running, of laughing, of playing, faded from his heart, and he embraced the cruel reality that somewhere along the lines, he surrendered, somewhere along the lines, he accepted that this was his lot in life. He was just reduced to be a beggar. So here's the first thing that we can learn from this guy today. Like this crippled man, too many of us just have accepted things, and now we live, and this may be a weird wording because it, because it really has different meanings, but, but hopefully you understand what I mean. But now we live in, number one, we live in a comfort zone. We live in a comfort zone. Now let me maybe clarify. Remember, we got born again. We were passionate for God. There was dreams and visions that God put in our heart, but somewhere along the line we just kind of kept looking in the mirror seeing who we weren't. Right. And we, and we kept doing what what too many Christians do, kept comparing ourselves to everybody else. That was a great place to say, amen. comparing ourselves to everybody else. And sooner or later, just because things aren't moving as fast as we think they should. Somewhere along the lines, we just kind of put our hand in the pocket and we try to sit down on the ground. And we just go, I guess it's just the way it's going to be. And, and it's almost like this gang. It's almost like we just go. Yeah, 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 he's a God of supernatural, but obviously it's not going to happen. So I'm just, whatever. We're just, it's kind of like this mentality. This is, this is the side I saw when I was a kid, and I saw this in church, and it made me very uninterested. Is this, is this mentality that says, well, when we get to the other side of the Jordan, oh, what a glorious place it'll be. Oh, my name is written in the book of life. All that's true, but guess what? The Bible, the Bible says in, in uh, John seventeen three, Jesus said, For this is eternal life, 
to know him who said it was it's a now thing not a oh my god hopefully we can make it so one day that when we die we've done good enough been good enough that we can somehow make it to heaven no he's a god of today amen that was free all right here we go so what's the comfort zone it's where we aren't threatened or challenged anymore let me be clarify not by a sermon, not even by God himself. We're not threatened. We're not challenged. We're settled. Every day is just the same old, same old. Everything's familiar. We have stopped dreaming. We have stopped thinking that things could be different. And we think that this is just, this is just the way life is going to be, that this somehow is our lot in life. Are you all with me? Let me go ahead and help somebody out. It's almost like this. Man, I've struggled with pornography for 20 years. It's my lot in life. Lie. Lie. Great place to say amen. amen. Listen, our expectation is kind of like this in the comfort zone. You know, if anything's going to change, it's going to be small. It won't be anything dramatic. It's wrong thinking. Listen, if we're honest, we, it's easy to find ourselves in the comfort zone, not only in our personal lives, but also in our church life as a body, as a church. Yes? Listen, but I want you to know this morning, if you, if you haven't written anything down, write this down this morning. But listen, I personally believe or I personally discovered that God's will is rarely found in our comfort zones. That God's will is rarely found in our comfort zones. If you want to know what the will of God for your life, stop and go, am I super comfortable? You're not in it. I'm not saying that God won't give us seasons of rest, because thank God he does, right? And by the way, we didn't get there in 12 minutes. I just realized it's counting down, not counting up. <laughs> oh, help me, Jesus. Anyway, so here we go. But there's that spot where, where, listen, when you know you're in the will of God is when you know there's something in front of you that you go, and I've told you this many times before, but you have to fall on your face and go, God, i got to have you. If there's nothing in your life that says, God, i got to have you, you better start looking and asking God, God, what's your will for my life? Right? Because, listen, God will never let us go do something that's his will that we can do on our own because at the end of the day, we'll do a really good job of patting ourselves on the back and getting all the glory. But there's something about when God lets you walk into an impossible situation and you watch him move through you that you get back and you go, that's how we should live. Amen? All right, here we go. First one is this comfort zone. i got to move. Here we go. Number two is this, is when our hearts are really after God, like all of you guys, when you really love Jesus, like this crippled man, God won't let us remain. He won't let us remain. Now, listen, if we really love God, he'll rarely let us stay in our comfort zone for too long. And here's what I mean, is that we'll begin to hear something in our prayer closet, that we might hear a sermon, or we might read something in the Bible, that we might have a conversation with somebody, and it'll begin to stir up our hearts again. We'll literally find ourselves dreaming again. You'll find yourself once again, like you did of years of old, laying in bed at night and imagining. It's like God's just taking your imagination and showing you what could be done. Is anybody with me? Let me maybe show you kind of what happens. He begins to show you things that are out of order, and then he begins to talk about pretty much give you a solution of how that thing could be fixed. Right? That's a lot of times where you discover what the will of God is for your life. God literally shares a vision with you of how something could be different than what it currently is, and most of the time that's where he's calling you to go. All right. So we'll find ourselves dreaming again and we'll find literally hope sliding back into our hearts that maybe, just maybe, things can be different. It's literally like you feel like a breath of fresh air go around you. And it's, and it's literally at that point we find ourselves wondering, hoping, dreaming, and praying for what? For change. God has a great way, like Moses, to put us in a spot where the only thing we can do is turn around and go, God, show me your glory. And watch this. Here's what I've learned about God. The reason he gets us to that spot is because he really wants to show us his glory. But he has to get us to a spot where we begin to get desperate enough to go, Jesus, where are you at? And then watch him respond. 
Funny thing, though, is what happens is we get in this spot and we begin to pray and ask God for change in our life, change in our marriage, change in our kids, change in our job, change in our church, change in our city. We begin asking God for change, not just for change's sake, but we're asking for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to breathe through our lives and, and literally those around us. We're looking for what the Word of God promises us. Amen? Listen, the, the third thing is I've personally experienced. Remember, comfort zone. The second thing there was God won't let us remain. The third thing is this, is that God won't limit himself to our expectations. That God won't limit himself to our expectations. Just as the crippled man, you know, what do you do? He, he looked at, at, at Peter and John, alms for the poor. Can I get some change, fellas? I'm hungry. I want a bird. Can I, can I get some change? And that's where his expectation was. It was on the next meal. It was on the day of survival, right? That's what, but listen, God wants to, wherever your expectation is, I just want to tell you today, God wants to blow that thing away. He wants to do something greater than your expectations. We prayed this earlier, but look at this verse in Ephesians, because this is truth for all of us. It says, now to him who is able, somebody say he's able. able. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say he's able. able. To do exceedingly abundantly above. Get that, exceedingly abundantly. That's big words. Above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. It's right there, folks. He wants to blow our expectations away. So listen, we shouldn't be surprised when God, when we begin to pray and we begin to ask God for change, we shouldn't be surprised when He lets us know that our expectation's too small. Time's up. But I'm not done, so shut up. All right, here we go. Listen, he'll tell us that our expectation is too small, that literally our expectation needs to be adjusted. Watch this, that our faith needs to grow, that our capacity for believing him needs to expand. That literally when we get in the prayer calls, we begin to pray, God, can you do this? God says, that's great, but here's what I really want to do. Oh. And watch this. In that moment, if you, listen, maybe if you don't get anything, I think I've probably said it about three times, but I'm going to say it again. If you haven't got anything today, get this, all right? Is at that moment when God begins to show you that, it's your job to then be responsible for that. And here's what responsibility is. It's your response to God's ability. It's your response to God's ability. And how many of you guys know that the ability of God is pretty amazing? Amen. So listen. Same time, we shouldn't be surprised when he when he says, "Hey, your expectation needs to come up higher." Nor should we be called off guard when we be, please get this that when we begin to pray for change and God, when God begins to bring it change, but He begins to bring it in areas that we weren't expecting. Like this, God touched my wife, and He starts messing with you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, Lord. <laughs> The Lord says, I know, <laughs> you know, but, but listen, nor should we be surprised when he does it differently than what we, are, we were expecting. L- listen, it's kind of like this. Here's my idea. Far be it from us to box God in and say, God, if you're going to do something, you know, God, we want you to do something, but we need you to do it in our terms, in our ways. Folks, we got to get rid of that thinking. Too often we, we put him in a box. He will not live in a box. Okay. Amen. God never does things on our terms. So basically this, kind of end up this third point here, is we need to trust that he knows the change we need better than we know ourselves. Right? He knows the change we, know, we need better than anyone else, including us. He knows the change we need. And so that's the part. Somebody say trust with me. Oh, half y'all like this. Everybody, help me out. Say trust. So what he wants you to do. Amen. Let me kind of throw you a, a tidbit out here, just a little free token before we go to number four, and we're almost done. But, but over the years, I've recognized this. I've recognized that people who have a hard time, you'll listen, people who have a hard time trusting people tend to have a really hard time trusting God too. I'll give a second for that one to marinate. And literally, where, you go, where, where people go, you know, you know I, I don't trust anybody. Hmm, it's a reflection of how you, your relationship is with God, too. You can bank on that. I'd bet somebody's right leg in here just not mine on that one. <laughs> Number four, here we go. The reason God does it like this, in other words, the reason he, the reason he basically won't limit himself to our, our expectations is because, number four, his vision is greater. His vision is greater. 
Just as with the crippled man, God's vision for our lives is always greater than ours. Do you hear the hope in that? That's life, y'all, by the way. That's encouraging, okay? That God's vision for our lives is always greater than ours. In the same way, grab a hold of this, that God's vision for this church is also greater than ours. Please believe that. Amen. So, listen, this crippled man couldn't see himself any different than someone who, once again, was reduced to begging for survival, okay? But that wasn't how God saw him. That wasn't who God created him to be. God saw him to do what? To what ended up happening? The man that could walk, to leap, to praise. God saw him much different than the way he saw himself. Once again, the comfort zone that we, that we find ourselves in, most of the time the reason we're there is because of the identity that we have of ourselves. It's the way we view ourselves. So we, we feel like we have to uh, somehow build walls and borders, and this is the confines of how I need to live. The only problem is that God doesn't see you that way, and he created you to live beyond those borders. Amen? So God sees us being free to be who he's created us to be. In fact, let me just say this. I don't think this is for everybody, but I, I believe God sees some people in here doing what you never thought you would do before, something that you believe you couldn't ever do. In fact, I think you, there's things that some of you guys in here today that you've only dreamed about it, and God wants you to know today that he put, he's the one that put that dream there in the first place. And so with your, once again, your responsibility is to respond to his ability and go, God, I know I can't, but you can through me. Amen? So just a quick question before we move on here to the fifth point, our final one. Who has God created you to be? Everybody look here, please. Who has God created you to be? Forget about everybody else in the room. Who's he created you to be? Don't limit that. Don't limit that. Who is God at the same time purposed us? Because once again, we're individuals who make up a church body. Who has God purposed celebration life to be? And I do, want, I do feel the need to say this today, and that's maybe not be for everybody, but it is for some that you need to know you're not here for ac- on accident. God called you here. Okay? God literally placed you here. So who has God purposed celebration life to be? We shouldn't limit him in that either. Amen? Are you all okay today? So watch this. So just as God raised him up, he wants to raise up the standard of our own expectation. He wants to raise our standard of our faith. All right. Fifth and final point. Here we go. Just as when the crippled man received his unexpected change, God wants us. Number five. Watch this. He wants us to be a wonder. What do you mean, Pastor? He wants us to be a wonder. Do you know today that's God's will for people to look into your lives, look in your lives, how you live your life, and to see that he is wonderful? See, God wants us to live as a wonder, not because we're nice, not because we have good morals. He wants us to be a wonder because his glory resides on us. Because literally we are carriers of the presence of God, of the fire of God. Are you all with me? We're carriers of the love of God. So that when people see us in our interaction with folks, they see us in our lives. He he literally wants people to look at us and go, uh, man, their God is wonderful. Maybe let me say he's full of wonders. So that's the end result. Now, let me read something. I've already shot my time in the foot. I won't go much longer, but <laughs> okay. All right. Let me share this story with you, and then, and then uh, we might close. Here we go. I've shared, I've shared part of it with you, but I want to read it to you today. This is actually from a guy named R.T. Kendall. It's from one of his books called Sensitivity to the Spirit. And uh, just kind of an idea, of, in other words, where we're going to have to say, okay, as a church, we've got to do it God's way. Okay. It says, a missionary couple was sent by God to Jerusalem. It says, when they first arrived in Israel, they noticed that a dove came to live in the eaves of their house. Remember me telling you this? It says, they saw the presence of the dove as a confirmation of God's presence with them. Do you understand that? In other words, on their door, there's a dove that made a nest there. It says, soon, however, they noticed an unsettling pattern in the dove's behavior. Every time a door slammed shut or if there was a lot of noise in the house or if they raised their voices. Y'all get that. If they raised their voices. We've got to quit hollering and screaming in our houses. It says the dove would be disturbed and would flutter off. It says sometimes the dove would not return for a long time. And it says, have you noticed? Watch it. says, have you noticed that every time there is a lot of noise or if we slam a door, or if we raise our voices, the dove flies away? The husband asked his wife one day. 
Yes, she answered. It makes me feel sad. I'm afraid that the dove will fly away and never come back again. Well, her husband added, either the dove will adjust his behavior to us, or if we really want to make sure we never lose him, we will have to adjust our behavior to the dove. Now, you know why I read that, right? Because obviously the Holy Spirit, the symbol, the Holy Spirit's not a dove, but the symbol of who he is uh, is a dove. And, and the thing is, is basically the point there is he's really sensitive. And a lot of times when we, when we uh, do things contrary to the sensitivity of who he is, uh, just in that thing, we need to walk with such sensitivity to the Spirit that the Holy Spirit's comfortable with being with us. Am I making sense to you guys? Now, listen, I'm not saying that if you holler at your wife, the Holy Ghost leaves you. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But, but what I'm saying is, is we're talking about the sensitivity, the awareness of his presence. Amen? All right. All right, let's land this thing and be done. Once again, all change initiated by God is a positive thing. Okay? And the reason is, is because change in the kingdom really boils down to this. Growth. That's it. Growth. That's what it all boils down to, growth. And so, you know, I can, I can say this, that when I look in the mirror, I can really focus on the fact that my, my amazing physique isn't what it used to be. I have lately surrendered the fact that I don't really fit too well in a medium anymore. And I remember the days I used to wear a small, so Jesus help me, all right? Listen, I can sit there and remember that, man, when these wrinkles weren't here, this white wasn't here. Anybody with me today? Yes. But listen, but along with those extra pounds, those wrinkles, and all this white hair that, that everybody, including my mama, wants to point out, I'm also a whole lot wiser than what I used to be. And I know God in a more intimate way. And I know I'm a better husband, a better father. I know I'm a better friend, and I'm a better pastor than who I used to be. And uh, why? The answer is simple. is because I've grown, because I've been willing to change. Right. And and listen, I didn't get here where I'm at today and don't I got a long way to go. I recognize that if if I don't recognize it, she reminds me of it. Okay, I have a long way to go. Um, But but there's a side. I didn't get where I'm at today because I dug in my heels and pushed back on what God was trying to do in my life. I simply said this. Okay, God, you're God. And I know you always have my best in mind, that your change, the change that you initiate is always a positive thing. So, God, I'm asking you today just to help me to go with you. In fact, let me maybe even put, put this picture because just simple things that I've prayed many times, and this may sound a little weird, but, but once again, I'm a visual guy, and, and i got to get it that way many times. But we all know the story with Abraham and Isaac, right? Okay, all right, here we go. I think it's Genesis 32. I could be wrong with that. But basically what happened is, kind of help you out, that the Lord spoke to Abraham, tell him to sacrifice his one and only son. I'm trying to help people who don't know. One and only son. And so here's the child of promise. We know the nation of Israel was supposed to come through Isaac, and it did come through Isaac. But here's what happened. He, he said, um, you know, basically to his servants, the boy and I go worship. It's the first place in the Bible worship is mentioned. And so he takes his boy, and they go up the hill. Now, don't get in your head that Isaac was some little five-year-old kid. The Bible says that Isaac carried the wood up the mountain. Are you hearing me? My seven-year-old's got a lot more energy than me, but he can't carry the wood up the mountain. So he had to be big enough and strong enough to carry enough wood for a sacrifice up the mountain. Then when they got up the top, watch this, Abraham. He was old, y'all, really old. He didn't have him until he was 100. He was an old man, all right? And so watch this. Do you think... And hey, now watch it. Do you think that like I don't know? You know, once again, not, don't, don't mean any disrespect. All right, here we go. But in my mind, once I'm a visual guy, I don't see, I don't see a hundred-year-old something man, you know, taking down some kid that just carried wood up a mountain. Are y'all following me here? In other words, he's not going to have the strength and the girth to go to overpower him and literally to tie him to the altar. Watch this. That somewhere along the line, Isaac, because he's a type of Christ, had to be willing to lay on that altar. And there's somewhere in there that says, you know what, Daddy, tie me tight. <sighs> because I know my flesh is going to want to squirm off when you, when you start to come down and kill my flesh. Right? Are you all following me? So there's that part of many times in the prayer closet where I know God is wanting to change something in my life, and I'm wrestling with it. I have said many times, Daddy, tie me tight. Because I know my natural thing is to run. 
instead of going, okay, God, I'm at the altar. The altar is a place of death. (laughs) You do what only you can do and kill this in me so I can be who you've called me to be. Amen. Stand to your feet, please. Amen. Don't mind, just close your eyes. If you're okay with change, go ahead and lift up both hands, please. Many change from the Father of what He wants to do in your life. Listen, just as Isaac had the ability to not be the sacrifice, you have the ability to not be it either. You have the ability of your own free will and your own free choice to do uh, something different, to do what you want to do in your own life. But I want to pray something today. We'll just step there where the anointing is at. And let's just say this. If you're willing, say this with me. Say, Daddy, tie me tight. Say it again because I want us to believe it. Say, Daddy, tie me tight. Father, that's our prayer today. Father, we want to go where you're going. We want to do what you're doing. We want to say what you're saying. So, Father, we just ask today, God, we recognize today that a hindrance called our flesh and our pride and our comfort zone and all those things that would hinder us from moving forward with you. Father, we just ask today that you would tie us to that altar really tight because we know our tendency, our human nature is to push back and to resist change. But, Father, we're asking today, God, that you uh, would do what you need to do. Do what you need to do in us. Do what you need to do in us. God, we're so willing to change. God, we want to be better husbands. God, we want to be better wives. In fact, God, we don't want to be good husbands. We want to be godly husbands. We want to be godly wives. God, we want to be godly parents. We want to be godly friends. We want to be godly leaders. God, we want to do it your way. God, we want to be marked God, by your hand, by your glory, Father, we don't want to just, uh, you, you know, God, it's for us. I can't speak about any other church, God, for us. We don't want to just be about good morals and behavior modification. We want to be people who know you, God, who know you, that carry your glory, carry your presence, carry your power. God, that we want to be that fifth point, God. We want to be a wonder for you. We don't want to be a freak. We want to be a wonder for you. Father, we want to be balanced and healthy God, we want to be consistent. We want to be whole. Jesus, even today as our hands are up, God, because you haven't called us to minister out of our hurts. God, you've called us to minister from a place of wholeness. So, Lord, I'm asking God in this room, Lord, you know where everybody's at. Father, I'm just asking God that you would heal things. God, that have uh, literally been wounds for a lot of years. Father, and I'm asking today, God, that you would breathe fresh life, God, on dreams that that people have surrendered. And, Lord, that no longer would they live like they're paralyzed or crippled. But, God, that the dream that you put in them, some of them, even when they were small children, God, dreams that you put in them. Father, I'm asking you, God, to wake that up today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And, God, today, Lord, as a church, God, we want to take responsibility. We want to respond to your ability, God, in our lives and as this church. So, Father, just any any uh, thing that would hinder us in our own life or hinder us as a church, God, from moving forward in you, Father, remove it today, God, so we can fulfill your purpose and your call for our lives. Listen, while we're in this mode today, told you guys last week we're going to shoot arrows. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep pushing. So if you're here today, I want you to know that, man, you can hear a message like this. And you can go, oh, that's good. But if you don't really know him, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or maybe you're that people we were talking about earlier. You said, man, I, I, I can't mark a day where I made Jesus the Lord of my life, where I surrendered to him, where I decided I was going to follow him. You can put your hands down, by the way, where I was going to follow him. You say, I can't mark the day, Pastor. I, I, don't, I don't know it. Or, or you say maybe this, that, man, I said a prayer one time, but nothing really changed. I want to give you an opportunity. If you basically have never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, and you say, man, today I want to get right with him. If that's you, just throw up uh, both hands, please. Nobody's going to mock you. Nobody's going to laugh at you. It's a safe place. Anybody say, I need to get right with God today. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lift your hand high so I can see you, please. Thank you. Anybody else? 
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Father God, come on, help me out. Father God, I come to you today. God, I admit I've been running my own race. I've been doing my own thing. And I see how empty that is. Today, I know that I need you. So, Father, I turn to you today in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to wash me clean. God, I pray that guilt and shame and condemnation would be broken off me. God, I ask today things from my past, God, that you would heal them. So, Lord, today I just believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He did die on the cross, and He did raise from the dead for me. So today, I accept that sacrifice. I accept that forgiveness. I thank You for a new start. I thank You for a new beginning in life. Thank You for Your Spirit making this home in me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Let me, uh, let me give you this final thought before we run out of here today. What do we have to lose? If we go for broke with God, if we go all in, all right, if we quit riding the fence, if you fall on that fence, it's going to hurt, by the way. But if we go all in, what are we going to lose? And I've got to be honest with you, that's really the only way the kingdom operates is all in. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming today. If you need prayer uh, about anything, uh, Angelo and Diane will be down here. Uh, Kyle and Cassie will be down here. If you guys uh, just need prayer, please come down. And these guys would love to pray for you. God bless you guys. If you're a visitor today, my wife and I would really like to meet you before you leave. Amen. Guys, you can play some music, Austin.